Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. My name's Stevie Kim, and welcome to our weekly room dedicated to Italian wines. And this is the Italian Wine Club. Thank you for joining us today. Back by popular demand, we will once again be talking to the three musketeers, namely Gabriele Gorelli, the spanking new master of wine, Pietro Russo, and Andrea Lonardi. They not only are friends, they are study buddies. So we love having them back. With them, we will kick off the call today with somewhat controversial, much debated natural wines. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll decide which one is the good, bad, and the ugly. Let me do a bit of housekeeping and clarify something that had been kind of bugging me, which some some of you um, have put to my attention. Firstly, we are all here today, but we all have day jobs. We are doing this because we want to spread the love for, you know, the gospel of Italian wine. We are here to represent no one other than ourselves. None of us are being paid for what we are about to do, to say, and the opinions are solely of the panelists, speakers, myself included. Secondly, the room will be recorded and replayed most likely on the Italian Wine podcast for those who cannot participate on this call. Should um, any of the speakers who are brought up onto the stage not want to be recorded, please let me know. If you can, send me a DM, even better, so that nothing slips through the crack. So the Italian Wine Club is in, it, in its existence since about two months now, I think, and we are up to circa um, 1,800 members and followers as of today. I personally flagged a concerning matter to Clubhouse last night because like crazy shit happened. All of a sudden I found more than thousands of presumable friends to follow, which were clearly trolls, mostly Russians. I believe it's been fixed now, but please be on the lookout for any irregular activities with your notification. Um, You have to have them on. So I don't know if it was because now it's more prone to trolls with being open to Androids and all of that stuff, but it's got so bad I had to turn off the notification. So just be on the lookout for that. And lastly, if you've got a special request to for a topic in particular you'd like us to broach in the next week's coming, please ping me and we will try to also promote it with our speakers. Um, We are completely open to your suggestions. As you know, the rooms that I personally host are mostly educational in nature, but other members like have been organizing all sorts of rooms So for those of you who've already been to my rooms in the past, you know, I like to run it to the one hour mark. So please raise your hand after we've had the first round of discussion with the panelists, and then I will make 
sure to bring you up onto the stage. So let's get the show started. Today's room is Natural Wines. It's dedicated to the natural wines, the good, the bad, and the ugly from Italy. I'd like to start with Pietro Russo. Ciao, Pietro. Hi, Stevie. Hi, everybody. How are you? Of course, Pietro is, he's the winemaker for Dona Fugata, but he has been uh, since 2010. Um, he's done about two, 20 harvests already. So all over the world, including in France and Spain and New Zealand, etc. And the great thing is that he, Pietro, Gabriele and Andrea together. Oh, I, I see. Where is Andrea? I don't know. The same problem as last time. It, uh, it's joined as a listener, and I can actually bring him. Here, up. let me let me bring him I don't up. Know why? Yeah, it's because he doesn't follow me, so I can't tag him as a speaker. So unless he follows me, this is will happen all the time. So you know, he's kind of no, stubborn. He's kind of <laughs> okay. So this this is fine. Okay, we brought him up now. Okay. So let's start with Pietro in the meantime. Andrea, can I'm going to mute you for now? Okay. Okay, there you go, because there's, um, there's an echo. So, Pietro, um, I was about to say that these two, uh, three buddies, they've also uh, worked on Italy's chapter, Italy chapter for the Sotheby's Wine Encyclopedia, the new edition, which is quite exciting. So, they're true experts. And um, I like to start with Pietro, the winemaker. So, I, I kind of feel like, you know, before we start, this is such a controversial um, topic, but I would like to start kind of in an easy way. Let's ease into this natural wine discussion. And I'd like to ask Pietro, first of all, if he can first define what organic and biodynamic wines are, if he wouldn't mind. Yeah, hi, Stevie, again. And thank you for having us again. Uh, I think the the topic of tonight is uh, the link uh, with uh, the last episode about old vines. Because uh, again, there is no uh, there is no no legal definition. I will start by create the basis for the discussion tonight. So uh, it is important to notice that uh, uh, there is not an official definition of the term natural. Then we will go to organic and, and biodynamic. Uh, there are still no certification or legislation that can clearly define what a natural wine is, at least in Italy. Uh, to simplify the concept, uh, we have convened that uh, with the term natural, we can encapsulate all wine categories that share a low interventionist profile across the production. So from the vineyard to the winery, a minimal intervention approach. So some of these approaches uh, by the growers can um, can be certified organic or biodynamic, uh, while others are not certified, but producers can claim the naturality of the product. So uh, that means organic, both organic and biodynamic. These are way of production that uh, where the grower should take care of the vineyards and vinify the grapes according to the rules of their of respective methods. This, uh, this includes uh, avoiding the use of herbicides or pesticides, avoiding any chemical fertilizers, and uh, there are 
plenty of them, but uh, then in the winery, this, this is the most important thing, so, uh, I think. And then in the wineries, uh, the low use or any use of additive, uh, the exclusive use of indigenous yeast, the uh, manual harvest, and then uh, uh, this, uh, this practice excludes any fining and filtration that should be avoided. There are some exceptions, of course. There are some can be possible in organic, uh, something cannot be possible in biodynamics. I will not go into, into such detail because it's very big uh, discussion. But, uh, for example, the use of sulfur, it, it is accepted at different level uh, across the, this, uh, this way of production or can be avoided at the same time. So it's, uh, you see why it's a very controversial but uh, if you, topic. I mean, but if you, I know there's no legal definition of natural wine, but if you were to explain to like, I don't know, first year student who's studying wine or actually just to a, a journalist who, who's not a wine writer, how would you, how would you explain what natural wine is? Uh, natural wine is much more about uh, uh, an ethical approach, much more it, it, more than a, uh, a combination of practices uh, de described by rules. Uh, that means it's a um, holistic way of uh, living and working the soil or taking care of the grapes and then uh, translating this into, um, let's say, very low intervention wine. Uh, this is uh, one of the aim is to keep the the soul of the, the terroir and the soul of the grapes. So this will be uh, maybe not an easy definition, but uh, yes, it's a bit of uh, the the message. And what about Gabriele? What do they? I mean, I know you're all studying. You've studied together, but how how does the master of wine? How do they define natural wine? I think I see it. Uh, hi. First of all, hi, hi everyone. Uh, I think, as Pietro said, this is a topic that has overly blurred uh, borders. So uh, there, there is no actual definition for organic wine. And you know that because we have been discussing about wine without walls uh, a bit. Uh, for, for the competition this year because it, we, we wanted to, in, in a way, to entail the, the spirit of the natural, the organic, and the biodynamic wines. And by the way, we know uh, what organic wine is. We know what biodynamic wines are and the certification that encapsulates these practices. But with natural, we can, we can refer as uh, both biodynamic and organic but it's something more and i think it's it's uh, it's more leaving the wine uh, able to do whatever it wants it's uh, it's less managed sort of um wine making process and it's something that as pietro said once again it's more ethical than actually uh Procedural. It's not on 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 the process. It's it's respecting the the, the wine's interaction with soil, with the, with the oxygen and everything, and you know in in some ways producing what it comes 
uh, most of the time, but in in some cases, some wonderful examples, some other cases, it's it's something that uh, the consumers are in a way, and I think we should cover this this thing after, but sort of prepared to uh, have a um, profile which is not in a way clean, which is not uh, too polished. Unclear. Okay. So I know that, you know, um, natural wine is kind of a popular topic, you know, you can say. But how did it all start? Like, when was the first, when, when people started saying that a wine was natural or nat- the concept of natural wine? Pietro, uh, do you, would you like to yeah. take that? Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, if you want to make a, a short history of this uh, movement, we can say that the first uh, real natural wine movement uh, uh, comes from the beginning of the 20th century in Montpellier, in France again, uh, with riots of growers that were fighting to ban uh, some uh, practices that were pretty uh, abused at that time, that were chaptalization and the addition of water in, into into the wine. Uh, then uh, it it continues with. So, uh, so when was that again? I'm sorry. It was in the 1907, precisely. In okay, nine, the early 1900s. Okay. Yes. And then uh, we can uh, continue with the, the consequences of the industrial development, the industrial revolution that affected agriculture after the Second World War, and the use and abuse of pesticides, uh, chemical fertilizers that have reduced the natural fertility of soil. I think that since then we have lost uh, a lot of intrinsic biodiversity of most viticultural areas of the world, uh, of the old world especially. And uh, the natural wine movement claiming that uh, wines, especially during the 80s, have lost their, their source. Again, uh, another movement of natural wines, wine producers, uh, in, uh, especially in Burgundy, uh, especially in, Bo- in the Beaujolais area. Uh, all this has contributed, again, in resurging the interest in uh, tradition, more traditional approaches for viticulture and winemaking, while at the same time to give more emphasis and attention to the environment. Uh, so if we, we can say the hard to winemaking has been uh, passed around from, from generation to de- generation, uh, the date back to, to a time where modern technology was not yet available. The, hence, uh, not, today, natural winemakers pretend to work uh, as closely as possible to nature and to let express the, the wines and the, instead of the human interference. Then we can say there was quite, it, it became quite a popular and trendy, uh, uh, let's say, uh, movement uh, after the 20, the, the, yeah, after 2000, and now it's increasing. Okay, so let's let me just have a let me um, go to Andrea now. Ciao, Andrea. 
Steve, how are you? Yeah, you're, I don't. I think you're the only person who refuses to um, follow me, so I can't even like tag you as a speaker. But <laughs> let, let's keep up this game. Okay, so as you know, Andrea Lonardi, he's the COO of Bertani uh, Domains. He's kind of like out of the three lot. Um, he's kind of the more commercial um, person, if you if you will. So I'd like to t- talk to you um, immediately about the natural wine market. So this trend of the, the, the sexy side of natural, natural wines, like why, why is natural wine so, has become so popular now, in your opinion? Well, Stevie, there are, let's say, uh, there are three major reasons because natural wines, they are very popular right now. Then one that is related to uh, market trends, and especially when we are looking to specific to certain type of market. I'm talking in that case, especially from Scandinavian market and uh, Canadian market, where there are uh, organic wines, especially, and natural wines, they are growing very well. Uh, like give you an example to be very uh, efficient. The last uh, proposal for listing from an uh, SAQ or LCBO in Canada, um, most of the product there, there's something related to natural way making. They can be bio, they can be organic, they can be low ABV. That is the group where they like to call the solar product. So sustainable, organic, low ABV, and alternative ones. Uh, there is a second reason that is related to some specific area where we can see some very interesting trends that uh, uh, Gabriele also know very well. That is what we call uh, the like in the metropolitan areas where there is a, a, a better segmentation of the market where you have uh, consumers that they are looking that they are what we can define. Uh, uh, curious consumer that they are looking for wines that they have a very low intervention inside. And there is a third reason because they are increasing because there is an ethical approach also from the production side where producers, they are paying more attention to sustainability. And for that reason, there might be a large scale of uh, touch point that we can cover, we can touch in the production side. There is always something that is is love. So I laugh when I see it. I I was telling to both these guys yesterday when we were preparing this meeting, and I say yesterday I saw a product that was bio that was in a bottle that was probably a kilo of uh, glass. So there is some very important inconsistency inside the bio, but there is for sure an interest made that when you are bio, you are organic or you are natural, uh, the value of the wine, the terms that uh, you use to evaluate the quality of the wine change in your mind and probably uh, bring you in another dimension uh, to taste or to appreciate the wine. The real problem is that we have a strong lack in terms of, uh, of uh, legislation and we have also to pay attention in order to be very loyal, very transparent to this type of consumer. Um, so, Andrea, I don't know if you know or if you can um, you can give us some indication as to uh, or where we can or where we can um, find information about kind of the size uh, in terms of the production size as well as 
um, the producers or or the consumption of natural wines. I know that um, Italy is kind of on the top tier in terms of both production and consumption of natural wines. Is is that fair thing to say? Um, it's not the first one in terms of consumption, but it is the largest surface in the wine world in terms of uh, viticulture so, uh, surface in terms of beer. Uh, but uh, bio uh, is part of what we can define the natural wines. Are not uh, uh, are not completely natural wines. Uh, the largest uh, market uh, in terms of consumption for bio product or natural wines are for sure the Scandinavian markets and Canada is is growing. Uh, but one of the first market that uh, uh, was quite important in the past was Germany. Uh, but also Italy starts to have a great segmentation uh, into the into the supply chain. Especially if you think that you start to have, I'll give you an example like now, Natura C. So you start to have a specific chains that are focusing this type of, of products. Uh, what uh, what maybe, maybe could be interesting is better define which type of natural wine are you referring because if you're really referring to uh, natural wines or wines that have a very low minimal intervention, uh, there are some specific markets that they might be interesting, but that's just spe- some specific local areas that is most of the time the most uh, important metropolitan areas. But if you want to have a check on these numbers, there is a nice uh, review uh, made by Corriere Vinicolo that is quite interesting with all the numbers about uh, bioproduct especially. And uh, just to give you an example about the last trends that I got from Dennis Pantini two weeks ago, uh, in Italy, uh, uh, bio-wines bio are growing 24 months, uh, 24% in the last three months, versus last year, when the normal category of wine is growing 16%. So uh, people are moving in a, are consuming uh, with an higher percentage uh, uh, bioproduct versus, versus normal or let's say conventional type of wines. Okay, great. Um, let me just quickly reset the room. We're talking about natural wines. Um, I'm going to ask a question to Gabriele and then we'll start bringing some people up onto the stage. So so please raise your hands if you have any questions or comments about natural wines um, um, from Italy, especially, because this is the Italian wine room. Ciao, Gabriele. Oh, sorry. I couldn't unlock my... my I know, I, I know. It's You're such Mr. <laughs> Technology. It's a good thing you're a master of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, okay, let's talk about see, now, I, like, I, kind I'm of... I'm a natural user. Yeah. Let's, yeah, go, 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 let's go, ahead. go, like, really um, practical side now um, to contextualize what mm-hmm. it means in terms of Italy specifically. Um what type of styles are there in natural wines? Basically everything, right? Yeah. Yes, but there are a couple of them which are more specific to natural wine, which I would say on the sparkling, there is a so-called pet nut, so petillant natura, naturel. So it's a ancestral method. So it's something that started fermenting outside of the bottle and then went into the bottle while fermenting. So 
it's something that's not disgorged, something that still has leaves on, and I think has lower, in a way, pressure compared to bottle fermented uh, classic methods. And a, a bit, you know, degree of funkiness is often expected. Uh, and this is a very well growing sort of style for natural wines. And the other one, for sure, is the skin contact uh, white wines or orange. Um, in a way, this style, once again, could be called ancestral because in the past, especially in Italy, uh, almost all the wines were macerated or had skin contact because of logistics and because of the protection from the oxidation in the cellar. So you needed to add some antioxidants, some polyphenols to protect the wine from the oxidation. And you did it via the maceration of the skins of the wine. So you fermented almost like what you uh, would have done with uh, red grapes. So those two styles are the ones that are most uh, common for uh, orange wines. But of course, Regular dry red uh, and uh, a bit of rosé are are there too, of course. But what is kind of the most popular um, area where they produce like kind of the natural wines? Is it concentrated in the north, or is it you know popular in the south? Oh well, or just oh, well, everywhere? I think. I think, as with Italy, as when we speak about Italy, it's always something patchy. So it will be everywhere a bit. And probably there is an aggregation on the border with Slovenia, with a lot of uh, orange wines, which are bordering the natural spirit, the natural philosophy. So Friuli, it's, uh, it, it's a place. But, uh, for example, if we're talking about biodynamics, the president of the Meter uh, Association, and, uh, so certification body for biodynamics, is in Alto Adige, where they also are focused. And also in Trentino, they, they have some specific focus on natural wines, like I'm um, talking about Lageder or people like Poyer and Sandri in Trentino. Uh, but... Uh, there is a strange um, phenomenon, I think, where uh, we can sort of um, group the, the natural wine people. But uh, as I saw, uh, as I saw in, in the past, uh, some of them they do prioritize the fact that they're natural uh, on the market. So the market knows that they're natural before knowing that they're good, or before knowing what their name is. But some other uh, Speaking like um, Piedmont, there is Giuseppe Rinaldi, uh, for example. He is him, and then it's a natural wine. So only after you know that it is a natural wine. And this, I think, links uh, strongly uh, the, the natural wine philosophy to the endeavor of the you have that people have for for their production. Okay. So there, there are. Several approaches on that. 
Okay, great. So listen, what I'd like to do now is kind of play a game um, with the three of you. And if anyone would like else would like to join, I would like to kind of talk about the must try or kind of the benchmark um, natural wines. Let's let's mention a um, couple of them from each of you. I guess, Pietro, why don't you tell me, tell us, share with us, in your opinion, which are the must-try wine producers for natural wine from Sicily, since you're Sicilian? Okay, let's see. Uh, I think um, two areas. Mm, I, I, will, I will say cost. Medusa Kipinti started in the natural wine movement uh, early, uh, early during the early 90s uh, in, uh, in the area of Vittoria, the Cerasolo di Vittoria, the OCG. Uh, so he's maybe the producer, the natural wine producer. And then I think now it's another controversial uh, benchmark. Uh, uh, I will say Marco De Bartoli that started uh, in Marsala a very, maybe before then, uh, Giusto Chipinti. is uh, is uh, work towards natural wine and true wines from uh, from the occidental Sicily. Why, why so, is De Bartoli um, so controversial, in your opinion? Uh, he, he was a controversial person in... Um, other than being Sicilian, yeah, yeah, no, but it was quite, um, quite a character in uh, in in the period of industrialization of Marsala and in the rise uh, and importance of cooperatives. Uh, he trusted that uh, the true wines uh, should come from the vineyards, and there is a. He was really a. Uh, something to push it, uh, really uh, uh, a character that uh, has, uh, has led the way towards uh, a new uh, generation uh, for, of, of producers in Sicily. Okay, what about you, Gabriele? Let's take um, Tuscany, kind of the must-try, benchmark, natural wine producers from Tuscany. I, I think if I had to speak about Tuscany, I'd go to Stefano Amerighi, which is a producer in, based in Cortona, is doing Syrah, and uh, he went to the Rhone to learn how to produce Syrah in the, in the Cortona enclave, and uh, he also, in a way, had the opportunity to <laughs> experiment all uh, what are the practices, the ancestral practices for wine production, so the fact that the, their grapes are food trodden, uh, the fact they use very low sulfites, if any, uh, no stabilization, no filtration, and of course, natural fermentation, so uh, wild yeast, this sort of stuff. And uh, I think is the actually the benchmark for for natural wines in, in Tuscany. What, but any any had, wine in particular that you can recommend? Yes, yes. They're uh, Apice, which is uh, Cortona Syrah DOC, but it is is top, it's top wine. So Apice is, is the peak uh, of the pyramid, no, in in Italian, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a great wine. And I, since I will go 
uh, having lunch uh, after a few months now in Cortona uh, just this Saturday. I think this is the wine I will I, I will order. And what is <laughs> and, the and like? Try. What is the price range of Amerigi? Oh, I think we we yeah, sure we are about thirty five something like that. Uh, and, uh, like retail. Yeah. In, in in the shop, yeah, 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 in the shop, yeah, it, it's, it's great. So and, affordable, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, affordable, yeah. Probably with with the aperture, some some vintages will be a bit higher. But uh, I tell you that we did a sort of Sierra symposium, and we compared these wines together with uh, very big uh, names, uh, even in the Rhone, and uh, it, it never came out of this tasting badly. On the contrary, it was always one of the three top and performing. Okay. And uh, have you got another yeah. producer from Tuscany? Well, from Tuscany, no, it's, it's difficult. There, there is, um, there is another, there is another guy in the, in in Barberino, which is also a friend of mine, but it's, it's very, very limited production. It's uh, Alemasse. Um, Robin, it's uh, is a friend. He's doing uh, a bit of a maceration, a bit of a uh, um, you know natural approach, low sulfites again, no stabilization, no filtration, following the moon cycles to uh, prune, to do the bottlings, to do the rockings, to do all this stuff. And it, it's actually a Chianti, and it's uh, I think more than uh, interesting because it's. Uh, it, you can tell it's a Chianti, which is, I think it's it's very important for a natural wine because if you uh, it, it, the the concept beside natural wine, which I didn't talk about earlier, it's being disruptive. So you, you wouldn't expect uh, a natural wine being inside such an appellation such as Chianti, no. So you would expect it to be a Vino d'Italia, so regular table wine, or be Tuscany IGT, so there is no tasting commission to this sort of stuff. So you can do whatever you want. You are not forced to stay in a specific range of sensory assessment that is, that is done in the, in the appellation, the DOC appellation. But in this case, uh, I like the fact that these guys, both Amerigi and Remasse, these guys are natural, but their terroir, their spirit, and the the varieties beside their wine they produce are actually shining through the glass, which is very important to me. Great. Andrea. Wait. Hey, wait. Are you still alive? Wait. Listen. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, yes. How about Veneto? You want some producer? Yeah, yeah Veneto I need Veneto uh, since you're like 100% okay. Veneto. Um, genetically, I'm Austrian. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Venetian. Uh, no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. And uh, well, in, in Veneto, we have uh, one of the pioneers of the Italian uh, uh, natural wines, that is Angelino Maule. Let's say that was it was the first or one of the three uh, starting to produce wine in a very natural way, in a very strongly biodynamic uh, many years ago. The guy that completely changed his philosophy of making wine, and he decided to embrace the uh, the biodynamics. 
But I would like also uh, to put uh, a, a very a, a great wine, uh, woman in the middle uh, because I think that uh, there is also a female part of the natural wines that is part of this movement, and and she is Marinella Camerani. Uh, that is uh, a woman. And where that, is, uh, where is like she from? Is uh, Corte Sant'Alda. Marinella Camerani from Corte Sant'Alda, that is a winery located in the east side of Valpolicella. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very nice winery, a woman with an incredible character, uh, an incredible commitment to biodynamic. And, and what is she producing, um, Valpolicella? Uh, she's producing Valpolicella Marone and, uh, and Valpolicella Superiore, that is... Uh, a very, a very nice wine. It's, I think that she's located in the Valle di Mezzane, if I'm correct, uh, but uh, is across Valle di, Mezz- yeah, Valle di Mezzane is where she is. And so uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very nice place to visit and, and with an incredible uh, deep knowledge about terroir, soils. Uh, she's researching because what I like about Marinella is that uh, she combines the philosophy, the holistic approach that you have in uh, natural wines, but with some research. Because, you know, we can believe in moon and God, but sometimes we have also to make and sell wine and uh, in, a, in a very serious way. And for that reason, I think that uh, there is, for sure, there are for sure a very good things in natural winemaking. I'm totally convinced that uh, that there are things that we can brought also inside the conventional uh, production types. But uh, I think that is what is important is when we can prove and we can also research um, with some uh, uh, scientific approach uh, uh, this, uh, this subject. And she is one of the winemakers uh, that combine these two skills, uh, these two aspects of the, the, the production. I just want to let you know that the cleaning lady just turned off all the lights at the office, but that that's fine. Okay. It's, it's good. I'm in, completely in the dark, but that's fine. Um, let me just quickly reset the room. We're talking about natural wines from Italy, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I want to give a huge shout out to the front row, Paul, Carrie, Chad, Christina, even if you're not via community, Sheila, Curran, um, Rodrigo, um, you're a Spaniard, but if you want to come up and share with us um, your favorite um, Spanish natural wine, please do that. Andrea, uh, Melissa, of course, from all of them from the Via community. And then on the second row, we have Laika, Cynthia. Hello, you guys. And Ralph. Oh, Ralph. Ralph's got the party hat. He's new uh, in the block. And Rocco, your producer, you should come up and tell us about your wines. And Paula. Ciao, Paula Pavan from our office, each office from New York, and who is also Italian wine ambassador. And Diane, Annie, the new student, new candidate. Thank you all for coming. And if you have any questions, please raise your hand. Um, oh, my God. Rocco. I mean... Rodrigo, you're up already. Ciao, Rodrigo. Ciao, Bella. Ciao a Come tutti. Come <laughs> Benissimo, grazie. Listen, so, so what, what do you have to say about natural wine? Well, first of all, I'm not Spanish. I'm from Chile. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. You know, Rodrigo, <laughs> for me, it's like Spaniard, you know? Okay, forgive me. It is, me. it is. 
And, uh, and I live in Paris in France. I've been here for over 30 years. Uh, and natural wine is the big craze here. We have natural wine bars and people go for natural wines and French pushovers like natural wines. And basically what a natural wine is here is just uh, is, uh, the backyard, right? It smells bread. <laughs> it's not great. It's funky. It's fizzy. It's not clarified. Uh, and no one knows really what natural wine is. So uh, it's kind of a marketing issue. This is what Andrea was talking about early on. Um, and I drink Grafner and Radikon, right, from the Slovenian border. That's what I like. Yeah, they're, of course, the founding fathers of orange wines. We haven't spoken about that. Um, uh, Gabriele, what, what, I know you have kind of a proclivity to orange wines. What, what, are the, um, what are your thoughts about the orange wines and some benchmark producers? Not, not just maybe, of course, Radikon, Grovner, everybody knows. Are yeah. there any others yeah. you can recommend? Yeah. Maybe less expensive, yeah, I- also less pricey? Yeah, there, there there is one um, which uh, also agrees on the so-called Oslavia protocol. So they do have a sort of gentleman agreement uh, where they do you know share practices to get to that specific uh, orange wine style of uh, Slovenian border, and this is called Oslavia protocol because of the name of the city where it was uh, signed. And, for example, it does um, entail the fact that the wine must be at least 26 days on the skins. And there is this guy, which is pretty young. His name is Damian Podversic. And uh, he does produce a less, I would say, extreme sort of wine compared to Radicon and, and Gravner, and also less aged, because if you look at the vintages of those to producer which are released now, those are sensitively uh, mature, I would say. But this guy is producing something like from, from uh, a couple of years uh, ago, so no, no excessive maturity, but a great profile. You can really feel the skins, uh, you feel the, the, the tannins on these wines, and uh, th- these wines are deep, uh, age-worthy, but already well uh, giving and generously, uh, you know, expressing themselves. Damian Podvertic. Yeah, okay, he's he's actually um, on our list too. You know, what we're going to do for the audience and for, for those who can attend tonight, we're going to list all the wines that we've spoken about and then we will put it in the description box once we go live with the... Um, with the podcast. That's what we'll do. But you guys will have to cooperate on that. Ciao, Sheila. Hi. Hi. So, um, have you got a question for our panelists or would you like to contribute in some way? Yeah, I just wanted to mention two, um, two natural, other natural wine producers in Italy. Uh, one is, um, a, a woman, uh, winery, uh, Founded by Antonella Manuli in Maremma, and that's La Maliosa. And uh, another is in uh, Piedmont, uh, Lorenzo Carino. And uh, and they both uh, have uh, created this uh, method 
for um, a procedure for uh, cultivating and making natural wine called the Carino Method, uh, which came about uh, when Antonella started her, um, her winery and realized there really wasn't uh, clarity around what natural wine is. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sheila, for that. Um, I was going to ask Pietro, um, it's kind of a cheeky question. Would you consider Colfondo a natural wine? What is your opinion about that, Pietro, since you're the winemaker? Well, actually, uh, this is uh, an interesting question because uh, Colfondo is uh, really a uh, booming uh, phenomenon in uh, can you just explain process. to everybody in the audience for maybe s m just a handful maybe they don't know what a col fondo is yeah col fondo is an ancestral method it's uh it's a short uh, let's say pet nut style in uh with uh, glera grapes in the in the prosecco area again there is a, a protocol shared and uh, yes, I think it's it's, it's very increasing. There are very nice wines uh, inside. Uh, so again, one of the names I would say Miotto is one of my uh, one of my uh, best uh, colfondo in this in this. What, uh, what is it called? This, I'm in, sorry. Can you repeat that? Miotto, Miotto, Miotto. Andrea Miotto. Yes. And uh, it's uh, it's an it's it's a very interesting category because it gives really multi-layered sides compared to uh, um, base prosecco or, or even prosecco from the best areas. So it's uh, it's for new occasion. Uh, you can uh, you can only have, uh, have it by appetizer. Also, you can have it with uh, with the dish. So one thing that we haven't said that. Uh, sometimes uh, natural wine can create uh, new moments of consumption. This is one of the opportunities inside the natural wine category. Okay, we have a bit. Yeah, not, not only they can create new consumers that consume the wine in a different way that compared to the traditional, uh, if you if you will, consumer. So which which is uh, even even beyond that. Yeah, you know. I wanted to just to ask. To, to, to add uh, Casa Costepiana, which is a fantastic producer with uh, Col Fondo. You're bringing up an interesting um, topic because we had a room like a few, few weeks ago in the Russian wine market and the other, other room, wine business market. And um, and the, one of the Psalms, she's, a, she's kind of like an influencer. I'm going to have to mute you, Lan, because you're making an echo. Um, one of the influencers, very popular uh, influencer from Russia, she said, like, the Kulfondo um, brings in a lot of the younger generation. So she's very, um, she's very grateful for this because maybe they're not as open to wine or they're not wine connoisseurs, but they like the taste of it, of Kulfondo, and that kind of is the... Um, entry level to, you know, to entice right. the, um, the wines, um, into a different level, kind of like the, you know, the upsell. And I thought that was terribly interesting. I had never thought about that. 
Yeah, but you know, it's always the same thing. It's about communication. It's about you know recognizing the value in, in a specific product. So these guys, those are not connoisseurs, as you said. This guy, these guys come from beer, probably, uh, if you will, but. but they do want to have something which is distinctive, that has an identity which is mm, clearly shining through the glass, through the bottles. So it's a, it's a style that be, is becoming also a category on its own. It's even more, you know, uh, distinctive and peculiar than mm, orange wine itself, because orange wine itself it's uh, it, it's big world. But if you if you think about pet nut or cold fondo, these sort of styles. And orange wines as well. So those are very specific uh, in their in their expression. And people, uh, especially in the orange wine area, do enjoy having the sense of belonging, sense of sharing the values with the wines that they drink more than the um, no um, just the profile that they. they, they 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 have on the, on the on the sensory analysis because they don't do that uh, in an uh, I would say unbiased way. They 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 know that will they will drink something very peculiar and because of that they uh, belong and they they are into that new dim- dimension which is which is great in in a way. So while I have you, Gabriele, what what about um, Abruzzo? Of course, you know, I can think of a couple of very, very famous, um, quote-unquote, natural yeah, wine yeah. makers. Um, what, what, what are the benchmark wines from Abruzzo of natural wine? I, you, I would say, I would say Pepe. Emilio Pepe is, is the, the producer for, for natural wine. Abruzzo, both uh, the classic varieties, so the Trebbiano, the white, Terbiano d'Abruzzo and the Montepulciano d'Abruzzo and uh, this is a producer that has been uh, over the years very consistent because it's uh, this is something that uh, you must reckon to to producers that do act in such specific way and uh, I think it's, in, it's the most reputed right now and Prices are starting to skyrocket, uh, especially for specific vintages where the, the wine is more focused and uh, and good uh, on its own, quality-wise. Without, once again, as I said before, without knowing that it is a uh, um, natural wine, you know that this is pefe. This is a this is something that uh, it has a, a reputation on its own. After that, uh, in the ideal scale of values that this wine encapsulates, there is the fact that this wine is ethically made and it's uh, it's natural, and there is the man behind. But you know, it's the the brand comes with some specific value, and the order is not necessarily saying it is a natural wine. Okay, you guys, we have ten more minutes. Chip in one sec on Emilio Pepe. Sure. Um, I've, been there, I've been there twice. Uh, Emilio lives just above the cellar. He's 88. Business is run by his daughter. His granddaughter is served there. Uh, and it's impressive. They even tread the grapes by foot, old style. They add nothing. They rebottle the bottles before they ship them. They keep them as long as they think they're not ready to be drunk. 
uh, it's fantastic. And to add to the grapes, he does. There are not enough uh, producers of pecorino to do a dock, but it's fantastic. It's the first time that I understood, for example, uh, what a structure in a wine is, right? And it's tasting it with cheeses and not about flavors, but about just the structure, how beautiful the wines are at Emilio Pepe. Okay. Thank you, Rodrigo. Uh, we have 10 more minutes, so actually a little less even. Um, this is your last chance to raise your hands um, to come up onto the stage to either ask a question or tell us about your favorite natural wine. In the meantime, we have Beatrice, our favorite student. Ciao, Beatrice. Have you got a question for our panelists? Hi, Stevie. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Uh, I have not a question, but a suggestion. And uh, I suggest you to try uh, Col Fondo by Belle Caselle because it's very, very particular and typical. Uh, I say this for because uh, I am from uh, I, I live in near Asolo where the, the uh, Belle Caselle is. And uh, last week we had done a vertical uh, from. Uh, um, 2009 since uh, 2019 with uh, uh, Prosecco Col Fondo and it was very very interesting so I suggest you to try just uh, just uh, just this great thank you great thank you ciao Lan uh, sorry I, I can ask I can ask a question to Beatrice how does the Prosecco Col Fondo evolve I mean uh, Prosecco 12 years how is the sensory profile of that wine it was incredible, very, very incredible. And uh, the, um, uh, the center were like uh, bread, really. And uh, uh, for example, someone that is not too much training to, to drink uh, bubbles, uh, so uh, champenoise or charmat, can, uh, um, can, can be um, uh, spiced up in Italian because uh, he or she can think uh, were a, a, a classic method, really. And uh, this Prosecco um, talked to you with a, a very fine bubble, not the, uh, the, the, the common uh, big bubble that uh, Master Prosecco has. Uh, and uh, this is very elegant, and uh, I, I never had tried a, a, an old Prosecco like 2009, but I was very, very, very enthusiastic for this fantastic experience, thanks to, to Luca, that is the producer. And uh, so for this why I suggest if you, if you went here in Veneto to, to come uh, uh, to Belle Caselle, for sure. Okay, right, so great. thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Ciao, Lan. Hi, Stevie. Ciao, Tutti. Um, as usual, I have two questions. Um, uh, am I allowed to ask? The yeah. Questions? Okay. Just, just yes. Just be quick about it. Thanks, Lan. Okay. The first question is for you, actually, because Italy is such an important country in the field of natural wine. Not just because two of the most important associations are founded here, um, Veni Latour and Veni Veni, I think, but also because in uh, 2017, what uh, sort of wine competition? Decanter selected 30 natural wines, and Italy contributed eight of them. So my question for Stevie is, if I'm a, I were a importer, I want to say 
find some interesting natural Italian wines. Where, which event or which fair should I go? Then I have a separate question for the three musketeers. Um, I think Alice Spring actually mentioned how we should appreciate natural wines. So he, she brought up eight elements, emotional impact, balance, savory quality, evolution in glass, transparency, sense of place, drinkability, and loveliness. So those eight, eight elements are totally different from the conventional or say standard one um, tasting techniques or terms we are using in our normal in our normal tastings, um, I wonder what what are your comments on this, and how should we approach natural wine when we are tasting them or blend tasting them? Well, let's start with Andrea, <laughs> please. Not easy at all, but uh, uh, <clears throat> if you are out of Italy, one of the most beautiful fair for bio wines or is Vembio. Uh, it's in Montpellier. Uh, that is where I I started to taste uh, natural wines, and I did my thesis on uh, 1996 uh, on natural wines. I was student in Montpellier, and I did a thesis. Uh, thanks for that because I visited the fair, and after that I started to uh, to be interested about this type of wines and um, remain one of the. Uh, the most important fair in the wine world for organic uh, for, for wines. Uh, in terms of tasting and profile and how natural wines can influence uh, the structure, the terroir elements that you can find in a glass, I want to be very honest with you. Uh, Professor Ferrarini, that was one of the most, uh, let's say, one of the best professors in enology of the last uh, uh, 20 years after Ribero Gaillon in Bordeaux, and he was located in, uh, in Verona, uh, passed away a few years ago, a very great scientist. Say, always say that uh, the natural product of grapes is vinegar. Uh, so, and I still think in that way. So, we have always to pay attention about natural. Uh, we, we can use some natural tools, some natural elements, but for me, the game is stopping when, if you don't take care about something, that influences the profile of the wine, influences the taste of the grape variety, cover the profile of the soil where you grow the grapes, and produce a wine that has a certain type of uh, global taste that you can find, it doesn't matter where they come from. Give you an example. Two weeks ago, I tasted in a blind tasting an orange wine that was made with a natural approach. And finally, they asked me where it come from. And I say, I don't know, maybe it could be a, a Ribola for real. Maybe it could be something from Croatia. Maybe it could be something from Georgia. It was very difficult to find, to realize, and Finally, they told me, yeah, this type of wine, you cannot say where it comes from. You can only say which is the way how they are making this type of wine. So I think that we have also to consider this type of aspect. And the game for me finished when we cover terroir, we cover grape variety, we cover the soil and the sense of place. 
by the mistakes that could be present inside the wine. And so, as Gabriele said before, there must be other values that you use to judge these wines that are not the, the traditional values that you put in your nose, in your mouth, in order to judge and to evaluate the quality that you have in the glass. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Andrea. Um, Len, would I, I mean, for natural wines, of course, I, when it, it comes to me, the raw fair, right? That's the Isa, Isabelle Lejeron. She's another um, MW um, who started this tour and she invented the raw fair. And that's, you know, if you want to do like really go from radical to everything of natural wines, that's kind of the place I, I would go. Um, I'm going to go to the last speaker, Simon. And um, if any, uh, if you like, the room today and you like to um you're interested in joining us next time please please um join our wine club to um spread the gospel of italian wine we are to create we are here to create the italian wine community okay saman welcome have you got a question yes uh you know my my question is i guess about about um you know for the growers for the academics i mean what's what is the what is the vision to adapt to these hotter and hotter vintages? You know, I mean, it's I've, I've certainly had great Barolos at you know fifteen or more percent ABV. It, it, like they are uniquely balanced, but it's uh, you know th things are at a, at the precipice here, and you know, and with natural wine making, uh, you know, if if the if the natural acidity cannot be preserved. It seems like uh, all the rest, you know, you, you're subject to a lot of a lot of spoilage. Uh, so, um, you know, if yeah. Saman, is your question um, is natural wine becoming more difficult to make? Is that your question? Well, I, I think in, inherent to it, it's going to magnify kind of the since you cannot manipulate with acidification, with reversal osmosis to correct for these hot vintages, what is, what is the vision to adapt to, to this, these circumstances? Okay. I'm going to go to Pietro for that, the winemaker. I feel like this is a winemaker question. Yeah. Let's say it's a quite transversal uh, question. I would say that, uh, these threats are quite common to both conventional and uh, uh, natural uh, wine world. These are the same threats because of the climate change and uh, uh, heat and frost and all these things. And I think that the responses should come from, uh, from study, from uh, a scientific approach. And in some way, uh, it is the opposite, as someone says, I think that uh, natural wines or the natural approach to, to viticulture has probably uh, some responses more than the conventional approach to, to, to the work in the soil or taking care of the um, my microbial life or biodiversity. Uh, then, uh, just to mention, there are some... For example, Burgundian producers, they say that, uh, uh, confess that uh, uh, when they translated, they, they moved to biodynamics, so they found uh, more acidic wines, more fresher wines. So I, I don't know which is the response, but probably we should be much more overt and much more open to, 
uh, to see uh, which which could be the the the, the way of adaptation and uh, don't have preconcept in regard. Okay, great, Pietro. Thank you very much, Gabriele. Would you like to um, say the last word before we close? But, uh, yeah, I think you know. At the end of the day, it's all about experimentation, and you cannot experiment if you're not doing anything. So I don't think it's a a market. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a selling point. Not not doing anything. I think the natural wine producer should adapt their uh, their narrative their storytelling to to something that is more related to what they do uh, or what they don't do but in not doing something they uh, i would say they are doing something else and be- because of that i tried with uh, a great technologist a great consultant winemaker um, of our days but or even past days which is Maurizio Castelli to do two wines but for us, just 3,000 bottles to, to try, two natural wines. And uh, we wanted to call them Senza Rete because we, we didn't want them to, to, to have this sort of safety net that someone is talking, is talking about. But at the end of the day, and I think my winemaker friend uh, will agree, if you have good grapes, uh, everything goes into the right direction. And uh, it's all about managing the vineyard correctly. So, once again, it's managing. So it's working in a specific way. It's not waiting for the nature to do anything. You need to address some specific specificities uh, and peculiarities of the vineyard in order to uh, have your endeavor. And this is the, uh, I think, the, the main point is the, is the pillar of the uh, natural wine thing. It's not doing anything. It's doing less, or but doing more in a more holistic way. That's my understanding. Did you like that? That was my special effect. <laughs> okay, listen. What thank was you. that, sorry? Well, that was my special effect. Oh. The, the clapping. <laughs> okay. Listen, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Gabriele, Pietro, Andrea, Rodrigo, Sheila, Beatrice, Lan, Saman, and everybody else. So see you next time. Thank you very much. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.